This is Cinema Roundtable. My name's Jake, and today I'm joined by Erica. Thanks for having me again. And Jared. This time, I am here. He is here this time. <laughs> you really missed out. We 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 missed you in the last episode. Oh man, uh, my, my commitment to watching all those Saw movies. I mean, it wasn't all for naught. I loved sharing it offline with you guys. Man, yeah, I loved your notes, and then I was like, dang it, I wish we could just re-record with with you uh, there. But yeah, not paying for, attention to timestamps that always gets me. When you say today or like tomorrow, and you see it the, the day, day of, it's it's not great. Yeah. yeah, for all the listeners of that episode, you really missed out because Jared um, sent like copious like notes. so uh, many notes and it was so great was to see uh, that was a that was a fun episode that was a tiring episode too I would like, say we all got into it I mean yeah we, wasn't it close to three hours like between was, the two a, parts well like, I was thinking about this so it's almost the end of the year and so we're gonna be getting into our our list episode probably either the next episode mm-hmm. or the one after that maybe so we have a little bit more time to um see all the ones all the movies. i know that there's plenty of movies that i still haven't seen from the year i've got a i've definitely got a list i'm going out of curiosity any movies that we're going to be talking about on this pod uh possibilities for either of your lists i for me potentially okay okay yeah, definitely for me. All right. Yeah, I um, I think that that there's some quality movies this this episode for for the most part. Um, but basically, what I was gonna say is that those episodes are are like they're so much fun. I love those episodes. But like I remember last year, there was four of us here. Uh, Bo yeah, was with us, us yes. joined us last year. Yeah, that was, year. A, yeah, that was and fun. And <laughs> it gets so hot in this room, it does. and it's so much fun. The, speaking of which, so yeah. yeah, I'm gonna peel out of my <laughs> jacket yeah. right now. That's not a bad call. Okay. Yeah, I um just took my my jacket off to begin with. I was like, I know I'm gonna get warm. Yep, yep. Um, but yeah, those when you when you're discussing ten movies, and it was also one of those things where it's like. How much graphic detail do we want to go into on these movies? Um, uh, shout out to everybody who can uh, stomach all of that stuff. Um, but anyway, we're I'm so glad to have the three of us here again. We got some, like we said, some great movies to come out with. Um, this month, our featured film is the new David Fincher film, The Killer. Um, David Fincher, he's one of my favorite directors of all time, so I was very looking forward to this. Um, I'm also a big fan. Seven is arguably my favorite uh, movie of his. Mm, So him uh, getting back together with Andrew Kevin Walker, Mm. um, I was very looking forward to this. Um, But yeah, we can get into our our other films to start out with. And uh, Jared, you have a, a tiny independent film, right? That you're gonna talk about, yeah, you know, based on like a little red novel called yeah. uh, uh, The Hunger Games. The Hunger Games. Hunger I don't know Games. if I've ever heard of that so before. Obscure. Very obscure. Like so this one's The Ballad of Songbirds and the Snakes. The Ballad of Songbirds. Is that what it's called? Okay. Yes. Uh, based on uh, the novel of the same name by Suzanne Collins. Just you know, out there working what works, I guess. And you know, I'm kind of curious what y'all's relationship is with the hunger games you know because for me um you know i read the first book it was at the behest of my wife i read it on an international trip just to kind of get caught up i'm also coming from the background of i saw battle royale 
I was a fan of that. And yep. so initially hearing that premise, I was a little bit like, well, what are we doing here, folks? I, I feel like that was the big kind of, I don't want to say gripe, but like the thing that people were talking about is just like it's gonna have this comparison to Battle Royale, mm. and Battle Royale is this just wonderfully done movie, and not to mention anytime there's a international counterpart to the like a big American, like people are gonna be like, oh, it's the Western, like American audience trying to capitalize off of this. But um, I, I have seen all of the movies. I have not read any of the books, um, and I, for the most part, enjoy them. I feel like, um, obviously, why a adaptation, mm-hmm. like adaptations, had been a thing before this, but I feel like this was the one that really kickstarted a, a very specific oh, one. Yeah where you started to see, like, the Divergent series and even, like, the Maze Runner series. And I'd even throw, like, Ender's Game kind of into this, where it's, like, like teenage characters in, like, dystopian settings where there's this conflict greater than the means of the Mm. people who are there. Um, I think these are good movies. I actually... Really enjoy the second one. Catching Fire. I like Catching Fire a decent amount, and that's mainly because I think they brought in some really good um, actors to be in there. Always will shout out Jeffrey Wright. Love him and everything he's in. Um, Amanda Plummer, is that the one that's in that one too? Um, Man, Amanda Plummer, I don't recall her. In I always think, am I thinking of... But- the, the one from So I Married an Axe Murderer. You might be right. Um, yes. Because I don't think yes, it's Nancy yes, yes. Travis. No, it is not <laughs> Nancy Travis. Um, but I enjoy those. I And then obviously like bringing Donald Sutherland into this series I think is a is a is always a good – and Philip Seymour Hoffman. Yeah, and you've got like, Toby Jones. Toby Jones. you got really good, really yeah. good uh, backing behind it. Um, so I would yeah. say I enjoy them. I've revisited them. Maybe once or twice, but uh, but yeah, I I wasn't super looking forward to this. Like it wasn't like top of my list, but I was intrigued. Sure. What about you, Erica? <clears throat> Man, I don't I don't know. Like, <laughs> it's like yeah, with um like uh, the Hunger Games stuff. Like I saw the first one and then just never. Just uh, didn't stick with you. Yeah, I saw the second one too, and I didn't like the second one particularly. I thought the first one was solid, and then I was like, "eh." So, I, and I also never read the books, so I'm not like a good person to chime in on. So you didn't have uh, that attachment to the source material no. already. I think it was just one of those things where it was such a big deal, and I was just like seeing everything out there. Like, I mean, mm, right. you got Jennifer Lawrence, who is like the hottest actress at that time like she was definitely the it girl essentially at that time i mean i guess when that movie came out had the had she been in the x-men movies yet x-men first class Ooh, Hmm. gosh because yeah those are all hitting hitting around the same time and she had she'd been she'd definitely been in winner's bone which i i really enjoyed that movie yeah I kind of thought. Um, yeah, so first class was a year before. Okay, so, so yeah, that's what I thought. That. She was coming off of that, where mm-hmm. she was a big, a big part of that. So I kind of felt like, um, you know, the Hunger Games series is sort of like a training bra for future fans of Battle Royale, is how I would put it. I I don't think that's a. Yeah, I was gonna say if it's a stepping stone to something like that, right. not to not to maybe it'd be denigrate better if I said it was a gateway. But you know, <laughs> right, exactly. Like a lot I of mean, people yeah. say, like <laughs> you know, uh, I think one of the things uh, we missed with me being absent last month, I, you know, Five Nights at Freddy's. Watch that with 
family <laughs> family flick at the Stob household. It was definitely a family film. A lot, like, a lot of people were saying, uh, yeah, Josh Hutcherson bringing it back to the Hunger Games. Anyways, <laughs> you know, a lot of people are like, well, it's a, you know, in a gateway uh, entry to horror for younger generations. Yeah. And it's like, all right, well, if it's serving that purpose, then... That could be so its be own it. episode right oh, there. Sure. Anyway, <laughs> dude. Uh, yeah. Um, yeah, and we're you know, about Krampus going, forever. I don't know. <laughs> going, going back to um, the YA angle, you know, obviously, also what came before this is you know Twilight yeah. as well, where mm. you know you've got this um, this big fan base around this book property that uh, you know is kind of just blowing up and mm-hmm. being being its own phenomenon, and uh, you know probably doesn't quite fit the same mold but whether you'd consider it a predecessor because i mean they are still books for a younger generation you know like harry potter and what it was doing yeah. previously to that as well and then they you know kind of all started the trend of breaking the last book into two films and things yeah. like that but at any rate um yeah the hunger games the ballad of songbirds and snakes shared with y'all that this was a uh, this was a pick by my wife you know, mm-hmm. and uh, we we had limited options where we were for our anniversary in a small town, but she was a big fan of these books, the movies as well. So you know, easy acquiescence on my part, and went and you know was not thrilled with the runtime. Mm-hmm. It is over two and a half hours. Okay, and you feel it. Problem for me with this movie, and, and you know, I kind of like the initial setup of uh, the Hunger Games as it is. It's got a pretty easy hook for, you know, especially, you know, being a horror fan myself, something uh, like that. But uh, the problem for me comes down to plot versus story. You know, this being adapted from a novel, it has a lot of ground to cover. And there is a lot of beats that it's got to get in there. And it moves along. And for the most part, like the plot itself, you know, I, I tracked with it. I followed it. But the story, you know, the actual development of like the characters and motivations and some of the themes and ideas just is not there to the point where you know you've got characters saying one thing in one scene and then suddenly having to kind of flip-flop and say something else and act totally different too yeah uh it definitely delivers on the theme of songbirds and snakes though okay literally and figuratively okay those are those are all in there um and you know people uh, in and out of the Hunger Games, I can can be snake like toward each other. Okay, so yeah, yeah. I wonder if if because this is a recognizable IP, obviously we're dealing with. Are there carryover characters? Yeah. So the and the, that's the whole point of this is you are seeing the evolution of the character of Coriolanus Snow, who will go on to be Donald Sutherland's character okay. of President Snow. Kind of <laughs> suffers from uh, for me, you know, especially you know, being a nineties kid, the same thing that I had an issue with, with star Wars episode one, the Phantom Menace. Okay. It's like, okay, you know, he's going to become Darth Vader. Here's how it happens. And it's like, okay, so what more do you gain from like this backstory? Does it add to the myth or does it actually start to detract from the myth? Yeah. I feel like with movies like that, it's, it's, you lose some of the, the stakes with it because you know, that some of the that were inevitably inevitably gonna yes. get to a certain point. <laughs> so it's like, why should I care as much about what's happening? Because it's like, well, ultimately he's gonna become President I, right. Snow. So yeah. like I obviously mean, nothing There's no threat too to terrible. Him there. Yeah. 
can happen. I guess, yeah, the, there are other characters in the movie, too. And, that you know, it certainly about. is trying to carry on in the tradition of having somewhat of a stacked cast. I mean, not to dismiss any of them, because you got Viola Davis in there. You have mm-hmm. Peter Dinklage. And they're doing everything with each scene that they're given. Mm-hmm. I feel Peter Dinklage is, uh, unfortunately, a little underserved uh, in this movie, but so be it. I think maybe the, the bigger stakes is, can we finally make Rachel Zegler a star? Mm-hmm. You know, she's out there, she's working, she's got the talent, and she's being given these huge properties. Yeah, yeah I mean, you've got West Side Story, you've got Snow White Snow coming, still up, coming you've up, you've got a big temple movie with this. Mm-hmm. I mean... I think, unfortunately for her, I think the Internet's kind of turned on her a little bit, which is unfortunate, Um, whether that be for her own reasons or not. I I, it's it's unfortunate. But obviously, like you said, she is going she's putting herself out there. That's for sure. Like, yeah, people in Hollywood see the talent that she has and Mm -hmm. she's getting plugged into all these big properties. So yeah. I don't know, but uh, you know, all in all it, it's, it's fine. You know, Francis Lawrence's directing. It's, it's good. It's serviceable. It moves along, but it it's long. And I think, yeah, for the most part, the story is just underserved. Yeah. I I'm seeing it has a 64% on Rotten Tomatoes, which I mean, that's a thing. Like what is average good? <laughs> right. Like, like it's almost like the worst thing to be, as a movie is to be just like in that middle ground area because exactly. you're not so good that everyone has to see it, but you're also not so bad that you're getting that grounds, that word of mouth right. type of thing. It's not the um, uh, the Morbius syndrome or something like that. <laughs> right, or cats. Or cats, <laughs> oh, <Yeah>, exactly. <laughs> if this movie was more like cats, and I think it would be doing better. No. <laughs> As I eagerly await the cat sequel. Yeah. Um, Aren't we all? <laughs> yes. Um, but, like, I guess ultimately, would you recommend this movie? Like, to you know, for first fans. time? Oh. Yeah, to fans. I mean, as far as like a starting point, there's no need for like, you know, following in chronological order of like, if you're going to introduce your kids yeah. to the Hunger Games, you know, as far as a top build star goes, I think Jennifer Lawrence is, is pretty darn you know, tops. Mm-hmm. So, you know, if, if you're a completist, see it. If you're a fan of these series and of the book, see it, you know, as far as the casual fan, which I am in that camp where, yeah. you know, I read the first book. I've seen the previous movies. Sure. I'll check this out. Uh, you know, I, I, I don't hate myself for having seen it, but at the same time, you know, there's a part of me that's like, I could have watched the Marvels, I guess, <laughs> or trolls band together. So, I mean, you know, we got, we're going to see Trolls Band together one way or another. I mean, that's just the <laughs> too kid many, thing, though, Too right? many kids in the house. Yeah, yeah, too. how can you so, not? <laughs> I guess my wife's logic there is might as well save it for the kids, but at any rate. You big Trolls guy. You know what? The first one, I found myself surprisingly laughing way more than I expected. Okay. Yes. If, if I can do one small, I haven't seen... I haven't seen any of them, but I'll say one thing about that is so this movie has brought back together the newest one has got the reunion of NSYNC in it. And if I'm going to say something, I don't think I like the new NSYNC song because it doesn't feature enough of the other members of the group. Is it mostly just it's it's mostly JT and JC. I I need some more Chris Chris Kirkpatrick Mm. in my life. That's a little side thing for for all the the NSYNC people. I wasn't aware of that. I'll be on the lookout. Trolls World Tour, I was so-so. But I'll definitely stand for the first one. Okay. 
Uh, well, that's uh, that's uh, the new Hunger Games. Um, I assume it's just in theaters right now. Correct. Correct. Yeah. Um, that'll I assume it will get it'll drop somewhere, but it's gonna probably have to run that standard yeah. uh, like big movie that's not a Disney movie. Um, yeah, you know, and it's Lionsgate, so I'm not okay. even sure. Hmm. You know, when it's a universal movie, it's easy to pay. It's like, ah, this will be on Peacock eventually. That's true. It'll probably be on Amazon for rental relatively soon if it's not already there. So, um, so okay. Uh, we're going to shift gears to imagine that. Erica, you're going to talk to us about a horror movie, right? I'm jealous yeah. of your pick. I will say that, as as we've stated previously, this is like low-key a horror movie podcast also because all of us are such big horror movie people. So that's just what we gravitate towards. So this is one that I was really looking forward to kind of out of, I don't want to say morbid curiosity, um, but this one is uh, the new Eli Roth film, uh, Thanks giving not thanksgiving thanksgiving uh erica tell us about it okay so um and i know you were also going to ask us about our general opinion of eli yes. roth i'll definitely get into that but so um we'll we'll cover the the yeah. new one first and then we'll get into eli roth afterwards perfect um so for those of you who've seen the grindhouse double feature there was this hilarious fake trailer in the middle of that double feature called thanksgiving and uh it was very much had the look of like circa 1980 slasher film, but with some very bizarre, silly, exploitative elements, you could say. Yeah. Uh, to put it mildly, mm. like check it out on YouTube if you haven't seen it. But uh, it was and my some favorite. Some of the big ones are carried over into this. Yeah, right? most of them are. But um, yeah, I'll get into that in a minute. But um, yeah, it's it was just really funny and outrageous, but also stupid, but in a funny way. So that was. That's like that was my favorite fake trailer out of I mean, all the kind fake of trailers. Eli Roth, though, in yeah. true. <laughs> but anyway, that's true. Um, um, I thought you... I thought he I thought his trailer in the middle of Grindhouse kind of captured uh, maybe like the, the tone and the nostalgia of like a movie from the seventies that is like pure Grindhouse. Edgar Wright's Don't, yeah, probably. I mean, that was just way too clever and too funny. Um, that, not, that was a great bad, funny like, one. I don't think you could make a feature film then out lights. of it, but it was a great yes. joke. The don't, you know, yep. trailer. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I uh, there's a really fun uh, featurette that is on the DVD, um, but you can also find it, I think, on YouTube, where it's Edgar Wright talking about the creation. I think there's a featurette for every single of the fake trailers, which, I mean are all really good in their own right, in my opinion. The only one that I'm a little bit off on is the Machete one because yeah. it looks too modern, in my yeah. opinion. Mm. All the other ones kind of feel a little bit older, but like, anyway. Yeah, yeah uh, I, I can see And that was the there. first one to get the That was the first link. one to get the feature yeah. link adaptation. But, but it's him basically saying, like, I wanted people to watch the trailer and be like, I don't know what this movie is about, like I, I want it to be like a possession movie and a serial killer movie <laughs> and a haunted house movie and a ghost in like because apparently a lot of English trailers back in the 70s were marketed that way where it was just chaos trying to get people to uh, 
intrigued enough to go to the mm, movie. Yeah. Throw everything you got at him. Yeah, and also shout out to Werewolf Women of the SS. Yeah, that, yeah. that was a fun one. But um, yeah, I, I, I was loved a, Grindhouse. Oh, go ahead. No, I was just going to say, I, you know, I was duly impressed by Hobo with a Shotgun just because uh, yes. like that was the mm. fan-made one, wasn't it? Yeah, that's a uh, like Jason Eisenberg, I think, is what who yeah, made that, that one. that was a solid one. I haven't seen that in quite a while, but that I one, liked it too. The, the movie also yeah, is, is I, solid. Rutger Hauer. I, Eisner, mm-hmm. Jason Eisner. Um, yeah, Rugger Howard. Um, it's it's just also it's, exploitation. It, it is. The it's mask. filthy and it's nasty and get a lot of the best senses. Uh, yeah, of that yeah. word. Yeah. Oh man. Uh, yeah. So that all those trailers have merit to them. Mm-hmm. But, but anyway. I, yeah, I I think I'm not alone with Thanksgiving being my favorite one. Um, and without getting deep into spoiler territory, like uh, most of the scenes that are in the trailer are in this feature film in some fashion. Um, although like the feature film looks very polished, whereas that trailer looks very gritty and like mm-hmm. low film, you know, quality it's been the and things about like that. A thousand times. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Um, that there, there were definitely some very exploitative and sexually deviant moments in the trailer that just would not work well for a mainstream horror film. So those things, those elements were toned down. Mm-hmm. And was if you've be an seen off, it, off you probably know what I'm thinking. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, if you've seen that fake trailer, you know what I'm talking about. Um, I don't know. But I'm not going to go into it of... here. We'll not make it to you know. <laughs> that, that's air. for the the, be the cinema Spotify. round table after dark. It's yeah. the, <laughs> it's the Patreon exclusive. Um, so he like toned down like the deviant elements, but it's still very um, violent. But in like typical Eli Roth fashion, it's it's like funny and playful and mean spirited at the same time, which kind of reminded me of things I loved about his some of his earlier horror films like Cabin Fever and Hostel. Mm. Like they definitely had disturbing elements, but there were a lot of things you could kind of laugh at throughout. Um, and also like his other films, he also put some form of social commentary in, which I thought was pretty clever in this case it's about this toxic combination of corporate greed and just rampant consumerism that results in a black friday shopping event that turns into a riot resulting in several people dying okay (laughs) so that's um that's the inciting incident that then inspires a mass serial killer to take revenge on the people that uh, yeah, the killer thinks are most responsible for this shopping event turning into a tragedy. I just assumed that it would be like a no name per like it would be like there's just a mysterious k- killer in town or something like that. And they kind of like they do keep that a mystery. What's kind of uh, fun and different from the trailer, like originally Eli Roth just saw the slashers being the pilgrim, but then like after doing some research, realizing that like the like the first governor of the Plymouth colonies, you know, this historical figure's name was John Carver. It's like that's a great yeah. name yeah. for a slasher villain. <laughs> yeah. So the the killer's wearing a John Carver mask, and it's like a this plastic mask that's being given out to everyone in the whole town because yeah. it's you know Thanksgiving is a big holiday in Plymouth. So so then it also adds this extra layer of suspense, like. Well, like, is that person the killer? They're wearing the mask. They have mm-hmm. a pilgrim costume. It's like Scream yeah, Six style. Yeah, pretty, pretty much. Um, so it's like, 
Um, but yeah, like the the kills in this are if you like horror films, slasher films, the kills are are fun, but also like cringe inducing. Like sometimes, like oh, that just looked too painful, or just that's uncomfortable. But they were very clever. They tended to involve uh, implements associated with like Thanksgiving uh, meal prep, and okay. or uh, pilgrim uh, <laughs> pilgrim farming <Okay>. implements. <laughs> All right. So um, I guess I have to add one more thing that was a highlight for me. There was this one scene um, where they show this guy you know is going to be a victim, and they show his cat, and I just had this sinking feeling. Uh Uh-oh. Because in so many slasher films, like, if you show someone's pet, especially if it's a cat, the cat's going to end up dead. Mm -hmm. Or at minimum, the cat's going to be used as a cheesy jump scare where it, like, jumps out of a closet Mm. or a shelf and goes, and then... Yeah, like that's this cheap thing that's been done too many times. So I won't say exactly what happens, but I am very happy to say that Eli Roth completely subverts both of those cliches. Okay. Cat ends up being fine. Okay. (laughs) Spoiler alert. The cat ends up fine. And and, Uh, uh, also, I would Mm -hmm. say that the cat actor deserves an Oscar for that scene. Okay, so One of watch many out. Oscar categories that still need to be added. Best performance by an animal? Yeah, something like I that. I think there should be, really. I, why not? <laughs> I mean, I'm in the camp of I don't care how long the per, the, <laughs> the the telecast is. Give out more awards. I don't uh, really yeah. care. There's uh, so many more deserving people yeah. and creatures. And creatures. Okay, so let's talk a little bit about Eli Roth. Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, Erica, why don't you just – so you had mentioned – that you enjoy some of his earlier films. Indeed. So you've got Cabin Fever, you've got the Hostel movies. Um, I think those still kind of had this grimy kind of independent mm. spirit to it, where I think pretty much everything after that has more of like a, a mainstream yeah, polish. Maybe with the exception of Green Inferno, because he was definitely kind of capturing the vibe of That's his true. earlier films. Yeah. Um, but yeah, like I, I definitely preferred those grittier horror films than the ones that were, yeah, like very mainstream. Mm-hmm. Like, like he did the Death Wish remake. It was an okay movie. It's just like not I one I returned I to. Um, okay. Yeah, knock knock. I thought it was way too tame. I'm like, really, Eli Roth directed this? It right, was just that, like, that's nah. a remake of a very little like, known like uh, yeah, 70s yeah film. I think that mm-hmm. the film that was the origin for it is on Shutter right now, but I'm blanking on. The name yeah, I'll of come it. Up with it. Young Ana de Armas too. It's weird seeing her in that. Yeah, movie. and it's uh, I I, it's <coughs> Lorenza Lorenza Izzo. Yeah, it, that's it was his, his wife. wife. I was yes. gonna say. Yeah, yeah they, they were married for a while. Okay. Okay. anymore. No, they're they, not. They met on okay. Green Inferno. Uh-huh. Yeah, because she's yeah. the lead. Yeah, and one. they were also. I think they were also in Aftershock, but he was an actor in that. He wasn't. Death game, um, by the way. What's that? Death Game. Oh, okay, okay. Yeah, 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 it is on Shudder. So, FYI, another yet another endorsement for Also known as Shutter. The Seducers, if you see it there. So, okay. I think, yeah, Colleen Camp is in that one. That's okay. a weird random fact. Um, so, yeah, I, I did not see his... Um, like what house with the clock in its walls or what, yeah, whatever that, yeah. that was. That, the, like, family. Yeah, the house yeah. with the clock in its walls. And I know he... Walls. Like, we're talking about kind of like training wheel or training bra movies for like young <laughs> young fans hey it's it's got Kate <laughs> Blanchett in it yeah so. I, I have not seen Jack it Black but I mean it. I do just because I, I tend to not watch kid movies most of the time uh, unless there's a good reason to but you gotta watch it at some point because it's Eli Roth but I do admire his you his, did have a kids I, movie in your top 10 last year didn't you I did it was yeah uh, it was Puss uh, in Boots, Boots. Puss in yeah. Boots The there Last Wish so <laughs> 
So, now, I mean, it could happen. But, yeah, he was trying to make a, a movie that could be a gateway movie to for kids who, like, want to watch horror, but most horror films are just too yeah. mature for them. So That was, was a two-for-one year for him. Like, he didn't want to, like, make people think he went too soft because that was also the year of his remake of Death Wish. Yeah. yeah. So. <laughs> Which was pretty brutal, honestly. I, I did not see it. I didn't, I didn't see that one either. So, yeah. Also, final thoughts on Eli Roth. He is smoking hot. I'm just going to leave it there. It's <laughs> uh, <laughs> out of you curiosity. Are not the only person who has said that. I'll just say is, is, do you, there you, is like, someone else who has done this show who also has okay. that opinion. In regards to your uh, attraction to Eli Roth, is, is it a safe assumption to say within Inglorious Bastards, his character is the Bear Jew in that performance? Is that him at like his most prime? It's Pretty you're definitely close. it's definitely yeah. not him in Cabin Fever. Oh yeah, his his acting in Cabin Fever was like woof. So I mean, yeah. he definitely improved. Yes, um, I would agree though. Yeah, as, as far as like some of my thoughts about you know um, his Inglorious Bastards character, the Bear Jew, I I think we have to leave my fantasy life out okay. of the podcast. <laughs> Again, that's, that's safe also, for the after dark. Yeah. 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 Uh, I, Jared, Eli Roth? Yeah, you know, Cabin Fever came out at a perfect time for me. I was in college, and that was a big draw for my friends and I, especially because I, I remember the marketing, because they heavily used Peter Jackson, uh, his ringing endorsement of the movie, uh, to sell that. So okay. we were we were on board with it, and uh, yeah, I, I enjoyed it. Definite parts that struck a wrong chord with us then and but certainly has not aged well now we, we rewatched that movie i think last halloween because it was an anniversary and man that movie is of 2002 it's, er, it's an early 2000 uh, there's um a lot of words that are thrown around in that movie yeah, that, that you cannot get away with saying that was uh yeah, discussed in a different yeah. podcast that i was on when we covered that it's like well yeah some of some of the slang words that are considered slurs do not age well yeah um and that is also expressed if you've ever listened to the DVD, another DVD, the DVD commentary of that movie. There, Roth does he uh, he doubles down. We'll say he does, wow. yeah. But um, that's also yeah, not super surprising to me. But yeah, there there are similar, you know, I don't know if I could use the term like douche bro characters in the new film, but those words that were objectionable. Also, his cameo and, in Hostel too. Yeah, yeah, well, Hostel one. Yeah, yeah, one. yeah, yes, but yeah. So it, it like that the language that is now considered objectionable in Cabin Fever, not in Thanksgiving. So people, if you're worried about that, <laughs> there are some very unlikable characters, but you know there are not certain slur words. Being yeah, used. I mean, I think like basically any of the the main ones that you can't get away with saying anymore are all represented are you are you a hostile fan though Jerry? yeah so i was definitely on board for us i remember seeing that in theaters with a, with a friend and yeah we just we felt like he was really able to kind of like unleash and just put it out there obviously it had the banner of quentin tarantino presents above it yeah. which was a good selling point and just knowing their kind of camaraderie. Yeah. Yeah. So I was there for that. Uh, things, you know, his Thanksgiving short within Grindhouse. That was definitely towards the top for me. Hostel 2, part two. I remember the controversy with that one as far eh. as it getting leaked online and him oh, really yeah, kind of right. like raging against yeah. the internet and blaming it. Whereas I, I remember well, watching it and he does, he definitely tries not to do just 
a sequel sequel. Mm-hmm. He wants to do something different. But I, yeah, I liked I liked it, Hostel too. Because yeah, it, it, it's uh, it's been a while. It's told kind of from the other. I mean, you yeah. definitely are with the a, the yeah, other the girl. It's a female. Women, so yeah, it's yeah. But, women. But but you get to see the other perspective <laughs> yes. of, oh, of yeah, the, the, guys the clients are, essentially. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Um, which is definitely I think yeah what that series could use is because because you get. With I can't remember what the what the actor's name is. I've seen him in a bunch of stuff, but um, the the guy in the first one who is talking to like the main character, and he's like, "Oh, I should do this, or should I do this?" Oh yeah, he's, he's, in, he's in Thanksgiving. Yeah, yeah. And and he kind of gives you a little bit of insight onto mm-hmm. how this system works. But like oh, that was always something I always found very intriguing. So when I did get to see the second one, I was like, "Oh, I love that they're doing this angle here." Yeah, I thought Rick that was Hoffman. interesting. Yeah, Rick, Rick Hoffman. Hoffman. Yep. Yeah, um, he has a very prominent role in Thanksgiving as uh, the the father of the main character. And, okay. Yeah. But uh, but yeah, it's um, as far as that that controversy of like the movie getting leaked to have the release date. I went and saw it like seven times in the theater, so I did my part, Eli. <laughs> I'm just saying. There you go. So you can't fault Erica if the movie Certainly doesn't not. do well. And I showed up for him in theaters with the Green Inferno. I was really intrigued by the uh, the production because he, he shot on a camera that I was also using at the time, oh, the cool. Canon C300 okay. that I had uh, done some stuff with. So I just, you know, especially at the time with technology and the cameras that were coming out that were a lot more accessible, very intrigued by. Um, all that to say, you know, the movie itself, I mean, you know, he – definitely pushes limits. There's images and sounds from that movie that I can't escape. Oh, yeah. yeah. Um, so, you know, uh, Eli Roth, you know, showed up, I guess, in some form uh, yeah. for that one. But that was the last one of his movies that I've, I've seen, yeah. actually. And, and I'm a little saddened by that, but I remember Knock Knock and The Death Wish and A House with the Clock in Its Walls coming out and just, you know, thinking, nah. This feels like a return, mm-hmm. uh, which is good. I mean... I feel like I have somewhat of a love-hate relationship with Eli Roth. <laughs> I I kind of feel similar about him that I do with like Adam Wingard where I'm like concepts are great. I really like the concepts and there's some things here in execution that are good, but then there's always something that I'm like, well, what, like, what's that all about? I like, think usually it's his sense of humor that can be the stumbling block, which is fair. <laughs> but I feel like in the hostile movies, he plays it pretty straight for the most part, um, from what I can remember, and they enjoy that for the most part. Like, I would go so far to say that Cabin Fever is kind of a horror comedy, mm-hmm. like uh, the pancakes oh, scene, yeah. Pancakes. yes, and, and, uh, yeah. and and stuff like that. And then, I mean, the the scene that I always think of with that in Green Inferno is the extended diarrhea scene, <laughs> oh, which oh, always yeah, feels really out of place ugh. to me. But yeah. I will say that <laughs> as a fan of, to a certain extent, those seventies cannibal movies mm. um i mean I, and i like the fact that his movie does not have animal deaths in it like yeah some right of those, like, that's that's like cannibal holocaust it's like i do not want to watch that again just because of the animal deaths that that's the movie that i'm like the most conflicted with when it comes to horror recommendations mm-hmm. to me because i think there's a lot of really good stuff in cannibal yeah, holocaust I, if especially they, if you know the history right of what the commentary is for mm-hmm. that with the Jacopetti and Prosper or 
I can't remember the Italian directors that were doing that. I think right. I would mangle his name, but I, yeah. I know who you mean. Um, <laughs> and how they're they're like pointing the finger the other way, but and then it's like, <laughs> but do I really want to recommend a movie that has right. like four or five on screen animal? If, if yeah. it weren't for the animal killings, you know, in the very real animal killings in that movie, I would definitely watch it more regularly because yeah. I liked everything else about it. That yeah. is a tough one. But I, I do like the fact that Eli Roth doesn't mess with like the animal cruelty yeah. angle at all. And I mean, I'm not surprised. He he is like a PETA spokesperson. Yeah, I, yeah. He had a, I think he was sense. part of a documentary um, I think called you're Finn. Right. Okay. Oh, yeah. He yeah, likes yeah, swimming yeah. with sharks. Or yes. <laughs> Um, but yeah, I mean, the the first death scene in Green Inferno is very effective to mm-hmm. me. Um, one of the most like engrossing, mm-hmm. like like wow, this 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 looks good. Like this <laughs> yeah, looks convincing. Um, but then like stuff like the 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 farting is just like <laughs> really okay, whatever. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I. I am looking forward to seeing this eventually, um, whether that be in the theaters or when it comes to streaming somewhere. I, I will see it eventually. It, I recommend eventually. it in the theater okay. if you can. Yeah. Yes. That's just my bias. Um, any last thoughts about Thanksgiving? I don't know. I saw it twice in the theater. I, there both, you go. both friends I saw it with loved it. So There you go. I remember when it was announced, just, uh, you know, not necessarily being dismissive, but a little skeptical, kind of like, it's kind of going back to the well or it's a, you know, reach. this is, this yeah. is kind of maybe all he, he can get made sort of a thing. But at the same time, thinking of my original love of that short and that yeah. trailer and what he's capable of, I'm very heartened by, yeah, kind of like the reception it's gotten and what I've been <laughs> hearing. So I'm eager. Well, we got two left. We got two fake shorts left. <laughs> we'll see what happens. I'm looking at you, Rob Zombie. You could probably no use it at this point. I think so. Uh, after the monsters, oh woof. Oh man, that movie. Uh, it was a choice. Let's just say. <laughs> um, but yeah, that's Thanksgiving. I believe it's still in the theaters. Uh-huh. I would assume. Um, and then we're gonna actually shift gears hardcore in uh in the one that i'm going to talk about and that's the please don't destroy uh the treasure of foggy mountain uh now jared had also seen this so he'll be able to weigh in on it but uh if you haven't heard of this um it it's three friends who live together who realize that their life really isn't going anywhere and one of them uh basically tells them kind of without a paddle style like uh, right. we should go on this treasure hunt because we found a map um, of a of a Marie Antoinette. Is that who it is? Yes. Bust yes. that's worth a hundred million dollars. Um, now, if you aren't familiar with Please Don't Destroy, they are a, t- a comedy uh, writing trio that um, had been doing stuff on YouTube for a while, but really uh, rose to prominence for being SNL writers uh, to the point where they were getting regular spots on the show where it would be like a please don't destroy film or something like that. And I would go so far to say that they were the highlight of a lot of the episodes Mm. that they were in. I don't know how familiar you were with them. Very, very little uh, familiarity prior. In fact, like when I saw this like pop up on like Peacock's schedule, like just in kind of doing uh, some looking ahead onto the streamers that I, I, I I subscribe to and what's coming. I saw that and I was like, what a strange title. (laughs) It's Mm -hmm. like, what is, please don't destroy me. And then, you know, I've become, since uh familiar with these three guys um who yeah 
definitely, definitely are talented. Funny. Glad they found themselves. I think they found themselves found each other at like NYU. Yeah, NYU. Um, yeah. I, there's, there's, it's certainly worth mentioning that uh, two of the three of them have direct lineage to SNL. Uh, Martin Herlihy and John Higgins. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Tim Herlihy, huge writer on SNL in the '90s when I was yeah. watching it religiously. And a big Adam Sandler guy. Yes, right? big Adam Sandler guy. I think he did. He write like most of the big ones with Adam mm, Sandler. Gosh. Like I want to say that he wrote, uh, like Happy Gilmore and Billy Madison. Definitely but... like the Wedding Singer. I remember that. I mean, he's yeah still getting yeah. writing credits on a lot. Of, yeah, <laughs> like he... Hubie Halloween, Pixels, ooh, the Ridiculous Six. Yikes. Um, <laughs> I yeah, mean, that's just the Deeds, Little Nicky. That's just the Adam Sandler train, though. <laughs> yes, I mean that definitely but... helps. But I will say, I do think that these guys, and maybe it's because. I feel like they really tap into like a millennial. <laughs> oh, sure. Sense like a lot of the references are things that play right into yes. my wheelhouse. I mean, there's a extended soldier boy sequence yeah. in this <laughs> where it's like, who cares outside of the people who are like 28 to 35 about soldier boy type of thing <laughs> um but yeah i guess i mean what did you think of this i i, I actually really enjoyed it i they're like the little brief asides and just they're just very super short commentaries on things that happen yeah to to have no like consequence really uh, constantly had me chuckling and there's like some good funny stuff uh, in there, Conan O'Brien. Conan uh, O'Brien is, is pretty character. funny in it, which I mean, yeah. it's Conan, so yep, yep. Um, and you know, the 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 two of the three guys coming from uh, previous SNL writers and things like that. You know, there's certainly something in the blood, and they have the talent mm -hmm. to back it up. So, you know, yeah, I think the thing that that works so well for them as a duo or as a trio is is that they really lean into the absurdity mm -hmm. a lot, both in their shorts and in this movie. And it's like a joke a second a yes. lot of times, too. It's just rapid-fire jokes. And so you there's something for people to to grab onto all the time, I feel like. Yeah. Um, I will say I felt like I – this movie is not very long, but I did start to feel the length a little bit. Actually. You know, and that's kind of that's I don't know if it's a hallmark or a curse of a lot of like stuff that comes out of SNL when it sometimes feels like a sketch stretched too far. Yeah, I mean, they like spoilers to a comedy movie, but uh, they find the bust like halfway through the movie. Mm. And then there's this whole extra uh, thing that ha second act. With that involves a cult <laughs> led uh, by with Bowen, Bowen Yang, Yang who yep. is very funny. Um, but it kind of feels like it turns into a different thing at that point. <laughs> um, but I, I did think all the performances were really funny. Oh, yeah. Um, I, I liked there was some really good reincorporation in the movie, actually. Like, there's a, a part early in the film where they're talking about one of the characters who uh does magic. <laughs> and that's actually how they met. And then he uses his magic later, later in the on. movie 
to to get them out of a jam. And it was like, I kind of forgot that that was what yeah. the how they like became friends. There's and some good payoffs. Yeah. And, and again, just like little comments like that, because, you know, uh, at that point, the, the friends are maybe a little frayed uh, yes. with each other. Mm-hmm. And, you know, they're kind of like applauding him as they like run off like, wow, you really are good at magic. And just as the scene ends, the, the, the friend who does it, he's just like, guys, it's just mirrors. It's always mirrors. Yeah. Yeah. Things like that. <laughs> Um, I, I don't know if there's a lot to say about this movie. I would say if, if you're intrigued, go on YouTube and watch some of their shorts. Yeah, um, good I would recommend, um, it tastes good. Go for the main. Yeah. Object. <laughs> I, I would say, um, uh, seltzers is a good short by them. There's uh one called, um, um, three normal goths that I would recommend also, <laughs> Um, which I think is very funny, but you can probably kind of get into a rabbit hole there. If you like that, I would recommend the movie. It's on Peacock, so if you already have it, the NBC runs deep um, yep. there. But it, for this, this isn't based on an SNL sketch, but it kind of feels like it falls into mm-hmm. that same lineage. I would say it's one of the better ones. Where do you think it ranks like against like Please Don't Destroy versus like Lonely Island Boys? Ooh. Like their movies or their shorts? Uh, you know, it could be either way because, I mean, obviously they were kind of like the godfathers of the digital shorts. That's uh, fair. Or... I I mean, I will go to bat for Hot Rod every yep. day of the week. I think that movie is absolutely hilarious. Already showed it to the kids. I mean, Pop Star is very funny yep. also. I have not showed that to the kids. That's probably a good <laughs> idea. Um so that it, it's tough. I they're they're both really good. I think that their their humor is um please don't destroy is actually closer to my sense mm. of humor. So I might lean more towards them in terms of the shorts, but there's just so many iconic Lonely Island Right. songs i mean erica i feel like we're just, did you have any <laughs> i have not seen any of the movies where are you, you with the, uh, yes <laughs> with the graduating classes of snl and they're sent to movie stardom are you like did you watch any of the lonely island stuff no okay <laughs> so yeah that's why i haven't chimed in with any opinion whatsoever <laughs> that is totally fine um i just feel like it was like such a cultural thing I mean, sure. people were singing like uh like I'm lazy, on a boat and yeah, like lazy, lazy Sunday. Sunday and like like a boss yeah, now, now and like in a box something to potentially <laughs> yes. watch I um, would I would say maybe quality wise as in terms of like uh filmmaking and story I'd probably put a hot rod above it still for me um but I feel like with Treasure of Foggy Mountain please don't destroy they've just They've just distilled more of like what they want to do yeah. faster. Like they do away with like major like plot points, and they they're, they're pretty dismissive of like we just got to get this thing moving. We want to get yeah. to the next joke. It's yeah. okay. And, and then you know, as far as the way streamers operate, the money at hand, and the reliance on CGI, I think it, it's a broader topic in general as far as you know the state of cinema in that affair and the yeah. way this movie looks. Sadly, mm-hmm. sometimes, but. That's fair. I mean, I can't imagine this movie having a very <laughs> huge budget. Huge budget. Right. Um, but it's got Conan O'Brien money, I guess. I don't know. 
Um, but yeah, I I think overall we both are giving oh, yeah. it a positive recommendation. Again, I'll rewatch it. Yeah, for sure. I, I would too. It's on Peacock. Uh, check it out. Um, it's got yeah. a certain je ne sais quoi. <laughs> I think they were both eating chocolate. Or, I can't remember. I was going to say, like, the drinking, the drinking like, age over in France the cops is like told 10. Us, the, the cops told her here, they're saying that you bought alcohol for minors. It's like, I thought they were European. The, the, the drinking, the drinking age, age over in France is, is 10. Like, why they did you could think have that? Been it's like they had a certain je ne sais quoi. And I believe they were eating pain au chocolat. <laughs> Just like stupid stuff like that. And I was like, that's great. Yes. Um, but yeah, that's Please Don't Destroy the Treasure of Foggy Mountain. Um, and now hard, another hard, hard left turn, turn um, into our featured film tonight, which is the new David Fincher movie. Probably the least funniest <laughs> film of all time. Oh, I, I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. I'd Where well, does this land in humor of David Fincher movies? I guess he does have movies that are legitimately funny. I thought Fight Club was pretty funny. Fight Club's got Fight Club, like it's, even it's, Social it's, Network has funny stuff. Oh, in it does. It. Well, it's like, Sorkin, I guess. Like to a to a certain extent, Zodiac has like funny stuff in it too. It, oh yeah, that was a like, laugh. Ryan. Downey. Well, here, okay. Dragon Tattoo is probably the least it's probably funny the least. one. Like Robert Downey, like Robert Downey Jr. He's no. still got like his cutting wit and just like the edge he puts on lines. And you've got like the Aqua Velva stuff, which yes, is funny. Exactly. Yeah. There are moments like that, and like Jake Gyllenhaal, like with his son brushing his teeth and just being like, mm. "Did you swallow the toothpaste?" Yeah. Well, don't do that. <laughs> yes. Just little little things yeah. like that to uh, add some levity to. Uh, yeah, I, I did not get a lot of laughs from this movie or any, unless you count some of the soundtrack choices that I'll discuss later. But you know. I, I feel like with with Fincher, he he's there's a there's a cynicism to him mm-hmm. that's very apparent in like all of his movies. This movie, um, I mean, Fight Club is a huge one for this. There's just like product placement, mm-hmm. like super like overt, like big brands, and then also like use of songs and Mm -hmm. stuff like that. And it's almost like he's taking things that are mainstream and like using them for his own. I don't really even know how to describe it, but um, he definitely doesn't shy away from using mainstream Mm -hmm. things in very non-mainstream. Well, I mean, and that's just it. I mean, this is a guy coming from like some of the biggest like music videos and like like, commercials uh, to be directed, you know? So he know he's been in the corporate world. Like he, and, and he he knows that, and he uses it, and he uses it smartly. Um, He's just too good. That's yes, the thing, yes. is that he, like, who is going to turn down David Fincher at this point? I've, I don't know. But anyway, The Killer. Um, this this is a, a Michael Fassbender stars, yep. um, and it, it's about after a, a near miss as assassin battles his employers and himself on an international manhunt he insists isn't personal. Um, I, I, when just, you say, wait, 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 near miss, like he does miss. He does miss. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I guess that's true. He does he, he miss. He hits someone. He hits someone. Uh, he does not hit the right person. Uh, that's yeah. a, I was going to say that's right at the beginning of the movie, but that's it's like the inciting 25 incident. minutes into the movie. Um, I guess I'll just kick us off here. I thought this movie was great. Mm-hmm. Um, I thought this movie was very emblematic of Fincher as a person, too. Very yeah, like yeah. There's been a lot like, of he. It is like one of the most calculated and methodical as a as a hired assassin would be. Mm-hmm. Um, that has been 
expressed about Fincher as a director. Like, I don't care how long it takes. We're going to get this right, which is funny because he doesn't get it right in the movie. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, but <laughs> he, the, the first scene of this movie is basically all voiceover, which I, I we were like 20 minutes in the movie. And I was like, if this movie is all voiceover, yeah, just, I'm kind of here for it. <laughs> a ton of like, visitor monologue. and Oh, yeah. yeah. His it, mantras. And it just it stretches out forever and ever and ever. And I was just engrossed by by what was going on. Um, I really liked that it kind of had an episodic feel to uh, 100% it. 100 percent the structure. I mean, it's it's chapterized. It is chapterized. <laughs> yeah. And you get to see these different kind of jet setting going from different places. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, his kind of interactions with different people who are related to an incident, which, I mean, I guess it's at the beginning. He, he has this miss and then, um, his, I don't know if they say it's his wife. It's, it's just his like girlfriend, his girlfriend. Or, yeah. Um, is, is attacked and she's in the hospital and they've trashed his home and he's out to kind of get vengeance basically and whoever he feels is responsible for it um but erica what did you think of this movie so i ended up watching this twice in the last week but it wasn't because i loved it okay okay (laughs) that's fine because the first time through it kept losing my attention to the Mm. point that i thought i maybe missed some important plot points so i went back through it today and rewatched the entire thing um and I was trying to figure out, because I think I know what Fincher was going for with making, you know, like this type of Hitman movie. It's not it's not an action packed, you know, movie like the John Wick ones, which right. I'm fine with because those were actually pretty ridiculous after a certain point. Um, but it, and it's a very slow burn movie, which is not something that I have a problem with. I love a lot of slow burn movies, but I think for me, it was the combination of the slow burn Plus the fact that the main character is so unrelatable, like yeah, he's not. There's nothing emotional you can really grab onto with him. He's un unrelatable and unlikable, and it's a very slow movie. That's fair. He's kind almost like of, a robot. Yeah, he, he he gave me Ryan Gosling in various Nicholas Winding Refn movie. Yeah, <laughs> things where it's like he doesn't speak very much outside yeah. of inner monologue, which mm. doesn't count. And he just like basically shows. I mean, there's even parts in the movie where he's like reminding himself, like, like don't have empathy, like mm-hmm. that type of thing, which right. is kind of counterintuitive because the whole reason for him doing I was this say, yeah. is, and that's the part too where you know I I certainly had fun with that part is just how much he contradicts himself. Yes, yeah. Um, I mean. So is there anything that you did enjoy about this? Well, before I get to the things I did enjoy, I do have to say the most unforgivable thing about this movie was like, no one should be forced to endure so many songs by the Smiths in a two hour (laughs) runtime. Not a glowing recommendation for for the Smiths. I I mean, I liked some of their songs. I liked a lot of Morrissey's solo career before he became kind of fash. But um, Uh yeah, that's unfortunate. Yeah, definitely. But it was like the the amount of like playtime that these songs get in this movie is just kind of overwhelming. The guy's uh, working with an iPod. I mean, my kids have iPods. There's only so much you can do with those things. But he only has Smith songs on there, really. Or at least that playlist. Yeah. <laughs> That's fair. He's got a different iPod for different bands. I mean, if I listened to the Smiths nonstop, I guess I would be you in would the right mindset kill to kill too? people. Yeah. <laughs> 
it's a good one. Hey, maybe it's all intentional there. And maybe. And it sounds like you liked him as much as anybody would like a German tourist. Yeah, least... that, that okay, that part did make me <laughs> chuckle. That that thing where he got his inspiration for his look from a German <laughs> tourist because no one wants to interact with German tourists. <laughs> I actually I did like that line. Um there's his um uh Andrew Andrew Kevin Walker Evan, Andrew he's got like a like a glibness to like he's got this sense of humor to him that's very dark but it's like he'll throw something in you'll be like okay i guess that's what we're doing now like you can tell that he has the capacity there's like a almost ironic detachment type of oh, thing sure. to yeah. it that i really enjoy about like this and 7 and 8 millimeter to a certain extent um this movie isn't as Messed up as either of those movies true, are, true. but but that's okay. Um, Although I loved Seven and oh yeah. Eight Millimeter was fine. <laughs> that's fine. I think fine that's a with a capital F. Like <laughs> that's how I described. Yeah, Hunger Games offline. Fine with the capital F. So. I, I get those two movies mixed around. Like Hunger Games, Eight Millimeter, very, <laughs> very similar. They're very very similar. Um, People die, gruesome ways, forced to do it. Yeah. I guess as as much as this movie is not the kind of movie I'll probably rewatch anytime soon, if ever, I I appreciate the the effort to tell a story that's different from your typical like assassin or hitman movie that's really popular in Hollywood. That right. Are, yeah, that are always very action packed. Like this only had I think one fight scene, kind of in the middle of the film, mm-hmm. and it it yep. just felt it felt very realistic. Yeah. Um, but good good uh, fight scene though. It, it yeah. was very well done. Yeah, Florida, I thought it was well brute. done. Yes. Um, so I I think that in some ways maybe this take on you know like the the assassin you know story is more realistic because so much of the focus is on his disciplined lifestyle and like this methodical approach he takes or at least tries to take uh, with everything to to get the job done. Um, and one thing that was kind of interesting, so the actual assassination scenes for the most part are pretty bland in the sense that he's shooting people. But when he's talking about things he can do, um, like he, uh, the guy at the end, he, he says, you know, I could, you know, kill you by giving you, you know, necrosis on your face or something. He, he has some really wild threat mm-hmm. that he gives. I don't remember verbatim, but it's like. But we don't get to see that kind of thing. Like that's, I'd kind of like to see how that works out. How would you set that up? Your I'd want to see the execution. Right yeah, now. right. No I, guess so. I guess the execution. so. <laughs> um, so I mean, I, I kind of wish they had provided that kind of variety. If he really has that kind of thing in his skill set, I just yeah wish they had gone into that. But the the movie is very focused on the one like he is single. Mm-hmm. track mind type of mm-hmm. thing. There's no room for detours outside of, I guess, the different locations that you're at. But, uh, Jared, what did you think? Um, yeah, so, I mean, is it is it too late to call this Michael Fassbender movie Assassin's Creed? <laughs> I mean... I think it's a bit more fitting here with this guy mm-hmm. and his repeated mantra. Yes. True, true. But no, I, 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 I am a fan of this. Like, I really liked it. I, I clicked into it immediately just for the way, yeah, Fincher works and the, yeah, the way he structures things. Um, it's just got great in and out points in that regard. And, you know, it's something, you know, as far as these chapters, this one's got six chapters and mm-hmm. it easily identifies where you are and kind of what's going to happen. Like, you've got 
uh, the target to begin with. Then you go to the hideout after the job is botched down in the Dominican Republic. Then you're in New Orleans with the lawyer as he starts kind of going down the line of people mm. that put things in motion for this to happen along with the fallout leading up to the final chapter in Chicago with the client. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I, 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 you can always tell when you're in like really good hands um, with a solid structure and things like this. And yeah, some some clever writing goes a long ways as sparse as it may be. Yeah. But coming from Andrew Kevin Walker, it's great. Delivered by Michael Fassbender, it works, and as shot by David David Fincher, it looks looks phenomenal. Yeah. So you've got that that uh, very iconic style of him that I didn't really get from Mank. Yeah. And so, so I was more, excited to see this kind of back to that. Yeah. Yeah. I <laughs> I don't know if you want to say it's back to form. I feel like Fincher can work in to a varying degree in a lot of areas and genres, but you know, uh, yeah, his more emotional movies make curious case of Benjamin Button are probably like the lesser works for me. Um, in that regard, I think that's probably what a lot of people would agree with too. Are you a fan of all, like, have you seen all of, not all of them? I've seen probably more than half. I need to pull up the list, but you know, of course, love seven Zodiac, Mm -hmm. um, uh, Fight Club, Club, one yeah. of my favorites. Um, Panic Room was okay. I thought um, that was okay. I revisited it. It's grown on me. Oh, okay. Yeah. I need to rewatch yeah. that one. Um, I thought Girl with the Dragon Tattoo is okay, but I kind of preferred the original Same like, here. Swedish films. Yes. Yeah, and I agreed. Man, I think that the original version that introduced us to Numi Rapace, or yeah. how you ever say her name, yeah. I thought that was so yeah. good. Yeah, I love that trilogy. Mm-hmm. I um the American remake was just like it, it was yeah. all right, but I don't feel like it was necessary. But it, it did have some different takes on the source material than it's got some the other good films scenes. Did. Yeah, yeah, there uh, were some there were some good scenes. Stellan Skarsgård, um, Daniel Craig, to, yeah, in a basement. Um, <laughs> so I mean, Social Network. I mean, yes. yeah, yeah, I have yeah, not seen network. that. Have not seen oh, Gone wow. I did Gone like. Yeah. Okay. Um, this I did like the game from 1997. Yeah. Yeah. I thought that was like that's been a fun and, revisit. Interesting one. Yeah. Um, have not seen Curious Case of Benjamin Button. That's yeah. like skip that. You saw Forrest Gump. I mean, uh, yeah. <laughs> as far as like as far as structure and kind of a character walking through historical moment, and it's also the same writer, okay. Eric Roth. <laughs> oh, okay. that's there you funny. Go. Yeah. Um, was not a big fan of Alien Three. Go figure. So neither is he. Um, so you're not okay. Alone. Yeah, you're okay. in good company there. <laughs> uh, but, yeah. Like, I, I, I don't know. And as far as like the segmentation, like with the chapters and things like that, you know, we've seen this before. We've even seen it earlier this year with like mm-hmm. Sisu, where in that case, it's just kind of like a fun flourish mm-hmm. that the director's like kind of throwing in mm-hmm. there to um, kind of break up the carnage or add to it. Tarantino obviously does it as well. Yeah. Um, thinking mm-hmm. specifically to Kill Bill, another assassin movie. Yeah. And uh, so I, I, there are things that it plays to that just like, you know, immediately sing to me. And for I don't know, it for me, like with how lean and mean this movie is, you know, especially in comparison to like Fastbender's character, I just feel like the small details and nuances really stay with you for better or worse, because maybe it is a slow burn movie that may not be working. But like if if you know, I said like his routine, like what comes to mm. either of your guys' minds? Like what what are like some of his routines that you think of? The F- Fincher? No, no, Fast Bender. Fa- in the killer. In the, in in the, the killer. movie. Hmm. 
Erica, do you want to? Know? <laughs> <laughs> well, he he seems to exercise, like right. do some yoga. He's, and... he's doing like the yoga yeah, and yeah, yeah, his yeah. diet. His diet, yes, <laughs> it's it's very regiment like mm. yeah i guess yeah in the first he's kind of he's doing his like calisthenics but it basically a quick source of protein you hit up mcdonald's yeah. um, <laughs> i did enjoy that seemed very david fincher to me yeah yeah and then like like his his playlist we've already talked about oh, it, yeah. it's the smiths and like his mantra like it or the mantras that he's saying can probably like maybe think at least of mm-hmm. some of the big uh, bigger ideas that he like is always telling himself. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but you know, then also kind of like on a personal level, what you I, I, I like that David Fincher has commented on whether this is a, an analogy for him mm-hmm. um, or not. Yeah, I, <laughs> he can't avoid it, but he also dismisses it as like dime store psychology. But at the same time, I look <laughs> at it and I'm like, you know, in a lot of ways, like I feel like I am the killer myself as yeah. far as like. I'm semi-proficient at my job. I'll screw up sometimes, mm-hmm. and then I'm doing my darndest to like go back, to get and back yeah. to get and fix it. Maybe still making some miscalculations along the way. Mm-hmm. Uh, that may be the only relatable thing about this character, honestly. <laughs> I wouldn't call a David Fincher the most relatable director in the world, though. Right. So. I don't know. I, I really had feels with Seven. I found that totally <laughs> relatable. It really sunk in there. Yeah. Uh, but, but like his, so his like his screw ups, which yeah. you know aren't limited to the inciting incident of missing the mark. Um, when you know he's in New Orleans with uh, with the lawyer, mm-hmm. <laughs> he Which, drastically was, yeah. overestimates the mm-hmm. time he gives a man to live after pumping oh, his chest yeah. full of like <laughs> three nails. Yeah, it's like oops. Yep, <laughs> where he's like six to seven minutes, and the guy's just and yeah. he he's gone within like thirty seconds. And then mm-hmm. as he's like doing like quick calculations, you're like oh man, this guy's like uh, cold blooded, like um, methodol- uh, methodical killer, like. It knows what he's doing as far as like he sees a big dog. He's like, mm-hmm. all right, I'm gonna need this this much drugs to knock this dog out for this long, which he also screws up. Yeah, and the dog is like back in action a little too mm-hmm. soon for his comfort. <laughs> yes, I, I kind of realized we forgot to do the spoiler bumper before getting into spoiler. <laughs> but then again, we kind of went spoilery. I don't know. Well, maybe it doesn't. Here's matter. what I was gonna say. I, I was thinking about this, and I was like. There's really not a ton of spoilers. I figured we would just discuss right. maybe chapter six in the spoiler section. Yeah. yeah. Um. I, I guess before we get into that, I just wanted to shout out Tilda Swinton. I was about to say that too. So she <laughs> her, was one of the other positives. Her scene yeah. is great. Yeah. Not yes. not super long, but one of the most effective scenes she, in the movie. I think. What, what is it she orders? It's is it a flight of whiskey? A flight of whiskey. Yeah. And then she also orders a bottle of whiskey as well. I want to say. Um, but just the conversation they have about how she knows Mm -hmm. why he's there Mm -hmm. and what the ultimate outcome of this interaction is going to be, but just this like very calm, cool and collected Mm -hmm. conversation back and forth between them does have a bit of a twist, I guess, to it, but it ends up ultimately playing out the way that you're anticipating it will. Um, and it's just, I mean, give me as much Tilda Swinton as possible i mean she's good in everything so when she gets to be in a david fincher movie awesome yeah i mean should we just get into the last scene i know i i'll sing tilda swinton's praises as well i mean especially because yeah that conversation two sides of the same coin yes and you know she uh humorously and i'm sure tilda was very much in on the joke she's described as like a q-tip and to to the extent that like you know someone like her 
uh, her complexion, she stands out. Mm-hmm. Kind of the and opposite of Fassbender. And her hair is so like platinum blonde that right. yeah, she does exactly. kind of look like a Q-tip. <laughs> but uh, but like again, just kind of like the con- you know the the inverse of like Fassbender's approach to the job. Like they kind of do the same thing. Yeah, and they live two different very uh, different mm-hmm. lifestyles and project themselves outwardly very differently as well too. Yes. So yeah, plugging her in and having her in this movie. Yeah, just uh, yeah, it's it's uh, top star. Yeah, I mean you can't go wrong with her. Or rather, maybe top drawer, top shelf. There we go. There there's we go. there's top the better shelf. analogy. There's with the, the, there's the whiskey. whiskey. Yes, yes. yes. Um, but yeah, why don't we just get into the the spoilers? Um, I guess we'll talk about how this movie ends. That's sure. really the only spoiler. Yeah. But we'll listen to the bumper and then we'll be right back with the spoilers. Could it really be that simple? Secret lies with Charlotte. Open the pod bay doors, Hal. I'm sorry, Dave. I'm afraid I can't do that. Aren't you asking us to accept a pretty incredible coincidence? I'm just saying a coincidence is possible. And I say it's not possible. Where are those keys, Rose? You know I can't give you the keys, right, babe? Silent breathe is people! The greatest trick the devil ever pulled was convincing the world he didn't exist. And like that, he's gone. All right, and we're back with the spoiler section, which, like we said, I I was thinking about this the other day. Um, Fincher is actually has some really, really good twists in his movies, and then he has other ones where it's just where there's just nothing. Like like um like he's not like a Shyamalan type of guy. Right. Where it's like, oh, when's the twist gonna happen? But you think like Fight Club, one of the most iconic mm-hmm. twists of all time. Like um Gone Girl. Well seven. Seven. Yeah. Like all these huge things. And then other ones he just plays it straight. I I guess what you can say is that he ultimately doesn't kill the person. That that's a bit of a twist there at the end. Yeah, he leaves the money man, the client. Yeah, it. it um, maybe the, the twist happens. It's the the beginning is the twist because you would not expect this guy who that's has true. been set up after, for days yeah, on end after you waiting you, and waiting. All this, you know, the monologue about you know having to you know have this certain method and care about details and the perfect be shot. precise about everything, and then he just <laughs> blows it. Yep. Uh, the, the the twist. <laughs> 20 minutes into the into the movie uh but i just thought it was so interesting it's like the guy's like i don't even know what you're talking about (laughs) like this whole time he's he's talking about kind of a detachment to the movie or to the um to like people and stuff like that but also having this like personal vendetta type of thing and then he ultimately gets to the final person and they're like yeah there's nothing personal about this like i don't know what you're talking about type of thing and i thought it was really interesting that it's like okay well you didn't know so i have no reason to kill you type of thing (laughs) um how did you guys feel about not having i guess a payoff I, maybe that that gives a chance for a little bit of character development because in his final monologue he kind of says the opposite of one of his early mantras like you you can't be one of the many you have to be one of the few and then at the end he's like could be one of the many like me or something like that so it's like maybe there's it's just contradictions he's trying the movie. to but maybe it's showing that he might be trying to fit more in with society and other yeah. people and you know be a more common person one of the many uh is how kind of how i took that so at least it gave like a hint of character development um boy in terms of like scenes that were a big bummer for me like the cab driver who just was 
just picked up the the person who was the original target and mm-hmm. like the the escort or or dominatrix. Yeah, you know? and it's like that that cab, poor cab driver gets killed just because he had the wrong fare, you know, a few days ago, and he probably wouldn't have even said anything about it's that, that incident. The cab driver a... in Saw Ten fared better than the cab driver in this. It's true, <laughs> that's true. I mean, the the co- cab driver in Saw Ten though is. A very important character. Yeah, so. and and he was like definitely not an innocent person, and this guy apparently an innocent person and gets blown away. Yeah, and it's like I get the <laughs> rationale is that Fassbender's character does not want to leave loose ends mm-hmm. or have someone who could report him or tell someone, but it was just such an awful scene. <laughs> it really was. Yeah, I, I I will say yeah, there's that kind of push and pull because like then we also have like the assistant i know that <laughs> that was probably the more heartbreaking because she's like oh you know, yeah don't, don't disappear me you know i've got a family yeah where like i guess i feel like this is probably something that is good to leave in the spoiler section here just that that she knows that she's gonna die yeah and he and she's basically <laughs> like can you make it look like an accident it's, it's so that i he can does get right, he does right by here yeah her? Exa- is it weird to say sort of, but to be yeah. fair like she is essentially innocent Mm-hmm. In this whole situation. More or less, yeah. I, so she's just an accessory to this greater thing. So, like, yes, he can't leave loose ends, but at the same time, she doesn't deserve to be nail gunned to death. Mm-hmm. Right. She can have her neck broken and thrown down the stairs. So Unexpe- it looks like yeah, an I was ex- going to say, she didn't see it coming. It just, it was quick. But yeah, I guess, yeah, I, as the assistant, how much she knows, I don't. It's hard to say. She, she knows enough that she tells him she's got the niche. She yeah. got the files elsewhere. She can get them. So I don't, but still. yeah. Did you like though, that he leaves the, the venture capitalist or whatever? <laughs> I don't know. It's hard to like read into that scene. Cause it's like, I, I can't imagine he, he'll ever get work again. Um, as a <laughs> Maybe so, he like, doesn't have to, doesn't he steal like a bunch of his money though? I, I mean, he's still I think got, he steals like, his identity or something, or like there's a part I can't. Maybe I'm misremembering, but in he his, seems uh, to be doing all right. Yeah, I was gonna for say himself. in yeah. his um, in his U-Haul storage. Um, <laughs> uh, gosh, what I'm blanking on, just your it, the, the storage units you mm-hmm. can rent. He's got a lot of like spare cash and a lot of different denominations. Um, there. Yeah, maybe he, this was his awakening to like, okay, maybe there is a life outside of what it is. Mm-hmm. Like, uh, I mean, obviously it got his significant other into trouble. Maybe he's using that as an excuse to also not keep going with it. As far as leaving the guy alive, I, it's just it's like, is is he is he too big to fail? Sort of a thing. Like, yeah. did you still need these guys to run the world or to provide? A business that of which I'm in. Yeah, but he does threaten him. So oh, yeah. there's always that mm-hmm. looming threat of <laughs> yeah, him. Yeah, th- that's when right. he threatens the necrotizing fasciitis yes. on his face. Yes. yes. Um, I, that's really kind of the only spoiler in this movie, I guess. Yeah. You're kind of building up into this final confrontation that basically like, doesn't happen. <laughs> it's um, a lot of missed killings that you expect otherwise. Yeah. Uh, killings happen, but. But, but yes, I mean... You get some some little action here, some death here and there that you would expect from an assassin movie, but um, but it's not just constant throughout. But yeah, do we have any final thoughts about the killer? Not not particularly. We we kind of covered everything. <laughs> this is a Netflix movie, by the way. Yeah. So uh, Fincher, he He's likes his Netflix. Yeah. Um, so if you have Netflix, I would recommend it. Um, sounds like Jared would. 
Erica, not eh. as much. But but uh, well, didn't, didn't has, hate it. But you know, this movie also is definitely not for everyone. No. Like like going into it, I I mean I enjoyed it, but like there are plenty of people that I can think of that be like, yep, they would not vibe with that movie. <laughs> right. So I didn't just out of curiosity, we've touched upon it a little bit already. Yeah. Well, I guess where where would this rank, and then what is maybe the top Fincher movie going so far for each of you? Um, it's now that you've looked at the list, do you... For me, I mean, of the ones I've seen, probably seven top, um, Fight Club, Close Second, Zodiac, um, Panic Room, somewhere there, this movie, and I don't know about all the other ones, but it's definitely better than Alien 3. <laughs> <laughs> that That is fair. Jared? Yeah, um... And I do, yeah, I have seen all of his feature-length films. And for me, uh, still far and away, and this saying, still saying in the same mind that I absolutely love the majority of his movies, but Zodiac is my favorite for for me. I think that's fair. That's that's a movie, the, the only thing that's a problem, I would say, with Zodiac is it, like I start to feel how long that movie is. Interesting. For some like that movie spans such a long period of time. Right. By the time we get to like Robert Downey Jr. on the boat, I'm a little bit like, okay, I'm starting to feel this this movie a little bit. But I do love that movie. I would probably put this one. So Seven and Social Network are two of my favorite movies. I love that. With Zodiac probably being number three for me. Mm. Um, I also think that Gone Girl is a movie I can throw on pretty much at any right. time and enjoy it. Um, but I wouldn't go – I mean I might throw it here at number five. Yeah, this is kind of like mid, mid-tier for me. Uh, better than better than Mank. Um, I mean I, I – this is the type of stuff that I want from Fincher. Right. And so – um, I, I wouldn't be surprised if this ended up on my year end list. We'll see. As you say, it's in the running for me. For I, sure. I, I'm not a hundred percent sure. I assume depending on the other movies that I see that it'll probably end up being a, a back half of the top 10. Um, but I, I still really enjoyed it, but I also just am kind of a sucker for, for Fincher. So, yeah. um, that's kind of it. Um, well, that's our discussion on the killer. Um, like we said, like I said earlier, Next episode is kind of up in the air. Um, it might be time for year-end list, mm-hmm. but it's also like <laughs> prestige time. So there might be one more that we try to we try to cover. I mean, it, it's this is a fun time because I feel like in the summer months when we would be talking, it'd be like, you guys want to see this? Ah, I mean, <laughs> not really, but maybe. And so I think we're kind of in a, a situation where it's like, we've got like three, three to five movies that are all like pretty solid movies that we're all excited for. So like the new Todd Haynes movies already dropped on Netflix as well. May December Hmm. where it's just like, I didn't realize that would just hit Netflix so fast. Yeah. I mean, we, we've got some, some real big ones. I mean, what, what's still to come out? Like Maestro hasn't come out yet. Again, Netflix. Um, I feel like now I'm blanking on. I think the only one I'm a little disappointed in. I was I was very much looking forward to Jeff Nichols' new movie, The Bike Riders. Yeah. Um, okay. With uh, Tom Hardy, it's lost its distribution. Oh. And okay. so they're they're shopping it around. But I've I've heard good things, and I that's just a filmmaker I'm a big fan of. Mm. Yeah. I that that's another that's 
that's always unfortunate, especially when it's somebody who's good. Like, right. like I feel like a lot of times people slip because they're trying to like make their way. They're maybe a good up and comer, but they don't quite have the recognition. I'd like to believe that he has enough. Yeah, he's got some cachet. Yeah. Oh, another one that I'm looking forward to is Poor Things. The oh yeah, yeah, that yeah. does look like the the yep. movie. Yep. Um, we also, I mean, I guess we probably wouldn't do this for the next one, but I am looking forward to Saltburn. Yeah, um, a huge that movie fan looks of Emerald Vanel. Uh, I, I guess I did not realize how controversial the movie was going to be when I was originally huh. seeing the, the like hearing about what it was right and now now that it start because it is out now mm-hmm. it's like Definitely people a discussion are talking what but i guess also i mean this isn't an uncommon thing i mean promising young well, i know yeah, yeah also had controversy behind it mm-hmm. as well so maybe this will just be a, a hallmark for her going forward uh, but yeah, well, you'll again. Yeah. You'll just. I'm have also to, looking forward to the Iron Claw. Uh, it's uh, Iron okay. Claw. A24. I've, oh. been, I've been seeing. Okay. Uh, um, uh, why am I blanking on his name? Uh, Jeremy. Um, Jeremy Allen White. Allen White yep. doing the doing the 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 press tours talking mm-hmm. about this. So. Uh, I am I, I am eager to look at it. There's also Wonka. I don't know if you guys want to see Wonka. Maybe. Okay, so I like that that was again another thing where I'm just like, what are we doing here, folks? But weirdly, like early reactions are strangely positive. I, that I was is, not anticipating. I feel <laughs> like when when it got announced, it was like, oh, this is going to be like a big, like big mm-hmm. movie, whatever. And then people started to see like concept art, and then like the teaser came out, and people were like this is going to be the next cats or something like that. <laughs> like it's, it was getting memed on and everything wow. like that. And now the movie is starting to have screening, like screenings of it and it's getting good, which I mean, it's like, yeah, it's, it I, is I, Timothy Chalamet. It is so. Tal- Yeah. Timothy Chalamet. Um, We're not getting Dune part two this year. So I guess it's better than nothing. It's better than nothing. I mean, you've got, uh, Paul King, who did like the Paddington, who who is involved with Paddington, Paddington, very and both of them. He yeah. also did the Mighty Boosh, which I personally love that show. I don't okay. know if you guys are familiar yeah, with Old vaguely. Greg. Um, did you guys ever see that Old Greg? Oh, mm-hmm. I yeah, the Mighty Boosh is hilarious. It's so wrong on so many levels. And yeah, yeah. but <laughs> he's he's attached to it, so I assume there will be some absurdist things about that. But uh, you'll just have to. Um, Check out. You'll have to stay tuned. I, I, I like that we keep things a little bit uh, mysterious on this show. Um, but then, yeah. Uh, but until then, we'll see you at the movies. This episode was recorded in the studios of KZUM 89.3 FM in Lincoln, Nebraska. You can find out more about KZUM and listen to more episodes of Cinema Roundtable by visiting kzum.org. Our theme music was composed by Joshua Spaulding.